Leave no black plume as a token Of that lie thy soul hath spoken Leave my loneliness unbroken Quit the bust above my door Take thy beak from out my heart And take thy form from off my door Quoth the Ethan Nevermore On today's episode of I Need to See That Psychological Horror I was looking at our audience. So first off, we have more countries now. We have the United States and Norway. Norway! But also we have Ireland, Belgium, Canada, and uh, Mauritius? M-A-U-R-I-T-I-U-S. How do you pronounce that? Say my country of origin correctly. Say it. Is this your country? Is this your family? I've never heard of that Mauritius? Mauritius? No, it's not. Mar- Marie. Mm-hmm. Those are our countries. And then we are 61.9% female, 31% male, 7.1% not specified. And then our ages, this is this is a big one. 14.3% of our audience are over the age of 60. So if you are listening to us and you are over the age of 60 and from Meridius, please email us. I would love to talk to you. But if you're over the age of 60 and not from Meridius, or from Meridius and not over the age of 60, we're not interested in you. Okay, I just looked it up. It's it's pronounced Mauritius. Yeah, Eli, you idiot. <laughs> what a month it's been. This has been a, this is, this is, I've learned things. We're wrapping up our month-long exploration of horror movies this month. How, how do you two feel? I'm so relieved we're done. <laughs> Ethan, I liked it. I liked it. I like it. horror movies. I learned, I learned a, a reason lot. to watch horror movies. I, you did a lot of yeah, research, I, and I learned from you. Yeah. I um, we're gonna we're gonna go over psychological horror today, which I think is a great place to end because it is. I I, I came into this thinking, oh, gore is my genre. Gore slasher. I love that. I love blood. I love red corn syrup. But I think psychological horror has the best list, and this was the hardest for me to come up with a top five. Um, I don't know if you two agree, but it these are some good movies. Well, I think that we even sort of encountered this in our lists earlier that certain movies are multiple version, you know, multiples of these genres. Um, a lot of horror movies have a, a psychological element uh, that are also slasher movies or a psychological element that are also monster movies. Mm-hmm. So I think that some of the best ones span all those categories and i think what makes them especially terrifying because it's like what's imagined in your mind and that's sometimes can be the most terrifying thing because you're not actually seeing it uh which is what i very much experienced watching this movie this week um and i'll but i'll get into that in a little bit caroline this week watched uh one of my favorite movies uh called don't look uh don't look now every time i want to say don't look up but it's don't look now uh, an incredible, incredible movie, and I'm very excited to hear what you have to say, Caroline. Uh, I want to, I want to get into something we talked about earlier this month, which is the idea of masters of horror, directors who have just built this list of horror movies and really helped shape the genre. Um, there are the ones that that people talk about, uh, like your John Carpenter's, your Wes Craven's, but e- Ethan, who? Who do you put on your master of horror list? John Carpenter, Wes Craven, those <laughs> those two definitely. Um, let me um, let me quickly. John Carpenter uh, directed Dark Star, Halloween, The Fog, The Thing, Christine, Prince of Darkness, which is an awesome movie. They Live and In the Mouth of Madness, which is an awesome movie. John Carpenter rules. Uh, Wes Craven, Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, Swamp Thing. Nightmare on Elm Street and most of the sequels and uh, the first four screams. Great, great list as well. I mean, even just looking at my psychological horror list, not the top five at the full list, Mike Flanagan, who I know I've mentioned before, Ari Aster, of course, 
Jordan Peele, of course. Mm-hmm. Those are those are some of the people that modern masters of horror. Yeah, I also put James Wan on the list. Sure. Um, James Wan did Saw, Dead Silence, Insidious, The Conjuring, Malignant, and he produced all of the Saws and all of the Conjurings, meaning the Nuns, the Annabelles. Uh, and he also produced Mithrigan, which I know both of you oh, really like. Oh, Mithrigan. We love, we love Allison Williams in this house. Justice for Marnie. Doing my research on psychological horror, I think Ari Aster is the greatest director to ever live. I'm so obsessed with Ari Aster. I don't know if you two are very much disagreeing. Caroline, with me. Caroline does is not into it. No, I think Caroline left. Caroline yeah, left. Yeah, I'm sorry, so long I ago. left. Masters of Horror. I went to go watch Traitors again. Um... <laughs> yeah, when's when's our Traitors marathon or or, or mini series? What is this? Okay, what is this? Show? Traitors is the greatest show Explain on it. television and everything right now. It's uh, started in the UK. It's basically mafia. But um, you're in a castle. The UK, U.S. version is great because um, Alan Cummings hosts it. It's, it's extreme camp. Um, so you have three people who are traitors, and they have to pick one person that they murder, and then the faithfuls have to banish someone at the table. Um, so this season's like reality TV Avengers. It's incredible. But um, Australia, that I'm four episodes in, might be better because it's all real people, but there's a clairvoyant. Uh, there's someone who was the longest held hostage in Australia and he's now a hostage negotiator. Um, it's amazing. So we're just watching people play mafia and I don't say that in a, uh, yeah. in a judgmental way. That's the most fun game of all time. We all know that. Yeah. But it with a budget. Great. Mafia with a budget. Great. Yeah. It's, I cool. can't recommend it enough. What is cinema if it's not <laughs> mafia with a budget? <laughs> what is all of art? If it's not just watching people play Mafia with a budget. You've said that so many times, actually. Yeah. yeah I text it to Ethan every morning when I wake up. He's got say, a tattoo on his lower back. Yeah, I have many Show tattoos it, on my it. lower back. Here, check it out. <laughs> oh my God. Is that Ari Aster's <laughs> signature? Yeah. Yep, that's the end of that. Yes, and. <laughs> um, uh, we... <laughs> Anything else you all want to talk about today? Yeah, do Do you see any movies recently? We're 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 uh, wrapping up horror. Can I Can I say something? I've had a while. Yeah. No, Caroline, you say something first. Oh, okay. Wow, thank you. I was just saying I've had a wild week of movies actually that I've seen. Um, if you want to hear my what we've seen since recording last week and for the last week I've seen, uh, the Parent Trap in theaters. I saw Robot Dreams. Uh, this is me now, which is we have to discuss. Um, RRR, I saw for the very first time. Uh, The Lobster for the very first time, and Don't Look Now. Uh, I watched two movies this week. Neither of them were Madam Web. I'm so sorry. I was on a work trip uh, near LA, but I didn't call Caroline. So there's that. You know, here's something that I've started to do, and this is probably more a habit of my bad habits sometimes watching movies with distractions is that I will start watching foreign films on planes because I don't have the internet around me Uh, to distract me. So I really have to focus uh in a way that makes me, you know, fully engage with the screen. So I, I, I'm not proud of that, but here we are. Uh, So I watched uh, another round, which is the Mads Mikkelsen uh, drinking movie. I, was expecting more of a comedy, but boy, oh boy, was that a downer with a killer last five minutes with like, I was going to say the ending of that movie makes that. I watched that movie being like, this is a great movie. And the last five minutes, I was like, this is the best movie I've seen this year. It's the best um, ending. It didn't dissuade me from drinking heavily during the day. Don't know if that was uh, the intention, but uh, that's how I felt. Uh, and then the other movie I watched was Cinema Paradiso, uh, which I had never seen. And that, you know, that's one of those oh, like, wow. all-timer movies. Everyone says to see it. And it was. Um, and I cried on an airplane. So. I feel like we should start tracking that stuff. I feel like part of this podcast should be tracking the bucket list yeah. movies that mm, yeah. maybe we're surprised that we haven't seen. I mean, 
Do we track it as a group? So it's a movie none of us have seen, or do we track it individually? Because Caroline's will be like, sure. <laughs> Ghostbusters, uh, Godfather, no, I think, Godfather Part I think Two. Godfather one. Uh, I think <laughs> I think that if you see an all timer that you haven't seen, like you have to bring it to the pod. You have to like show up and be ready to say a couple things about it. Um, Cinema yeah. Paradiso is just so. It is it is lovely. It is like this little hug of a movie and it made me want to go back to Italy and um yeah, the ending, the ending is it it really is one of the best. Love of cinema. That of course is the other thing I text Ethan every morning is go back to go Italy. back to Italy. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of fitting for the movie we're about to discuss. Then you call me Mussolini? Um, it's crazy. It's really weird. Um, it's actually wild. You would watch a movie like that on, because when I'm in a plane, I only want to watch things like the morning show that only makes sense when I'm 30,000 feet above ground. I The day I became a parent was the day subtitles forever were turned on on mm. my TV whilst watching uh, any movie sure. or TV show. So subtitle, I even if my kid's at school and I'm watching a movie, subtitles are on because I'm addicted to it now. So I think my relationship with foreign films have changed since I became a parent. Do you, what if, that. what if you're like, the kids are at your in-laws or something and like, it's just you and Michelle at home watching a movie with the full intention and the full focus is on the movie, your phone is away, will you still turn on subtitles? Yes, and Michelle will sometimes point out, hey, we could turn subtitles off. And I'm like, I like um No, it's yeah. I don't know. It's how I watch movies now. It's how I it's it's just built into my DNA now. It's written so I have subtitles on my lower back. Oh my god. You do. <laughs> it, and there's a lot of tattoos yeah, back there, yeah. Yeah, I told and, you there's a lot. I'm kinda like the guy from Memento. That's right. <laughs> Ethan, are you gonna watch Dune? Yeah, I'll watch Dune. I can't wait. I'm going Jesus Sunday night. Jesus Christ. The disappointment in your voice saying that. I Let me I, let me say it another way. Are you going to watch 97% yes. approval rating, future Oscar nominee Dune? I will. Dune? I'm going to see Dune. I will watch Dune. I'm hopeful that it makes me eat Eli's hat, but I... I read an interesting. Would you watch Dune if we got you the popcorn bucket? Uh, well, no, I have the popcorn bucket. Michelle, uh, I was gonna say Michelle left me because I was quoting. <laughs> what? I was quoting. What? Yeah, I was like Madeline left me. Wait, <laughs> wait. Left me the... the famous. Whoa. The famous. <laughs> I was wait. gonna quote <laughs> Eli's joke from a previous episode about how Michelle left me years ago, and I was gonna do the same with Madeline, and then it combined. Michelle left Eli to give Ethan the popcorn bucket. <laughs> and then went right back to what Eli. What immediately <laughs> popped up into my head is Ethan took the famously phallic uh, Dune popcorn bucket and named oh, it my not... wife? <laughs> is that what's happened to Ethan? <laughs> no. Oh, God. No. Dune sucks. Whatever. Dune yeah, I'm going to see Dune. And now... My dear friends, we present to you the history of psychological horror. Quoth the Ethan, nevermore. All right, let's get into psychological horror. Um, Do it. So I don't have a history history um, because it all follows the same history lessons that I've been given this whole month. Um... We're talking psychological horror this week, uh, which is, it's kind of hard for me to define psychological horror, but it, it, it's, a, it's a genre of, of horror film that focuses more on tone and atmosphere to strike, to strike fear. Um, a lot of filmmakers use very innovative filming techniques, and they use sound and color and editing to kind of give this feeling of... of insecurity and anxiety and fear um these movies focus on a character's mental or emotional state so it's more of an internal struggle versus an external struggle that we've been talking about with monster movies and slashers um you have repeated themes of anxiety and guilt and paranoia and grief um and you and you have just like with most horror movies uh the use of metaphors 
uh, here used to critique elements of society. But getting into the history, we've talked about um, uh, the the first horror film uh, is Le Manoir du Diable, House of the Devil or Manor of the Devil, uh, 1896. But in the 18th and 19th century, there was actually a lot of gothic fiction. Um, These books set up uh, uh, very specific tones. They have uh, archetypes such as unreliable narrators, um, and they're very much expressions of psychological fears. Um, Such authors as Edgar Allan Poe, of course, and Henry James. Um, So after uh, Le Manoir du du Diable comes out in 1896, you start getting a lot of film adaptations of these early uh, gothic fiction. So you get, for example, in 1909, uh, a French version of The Pit and the Pendulum. Le puits et le pendule. Was that okay, Caroline? Um, yeah, that was that was almost French. <laughs> it was directed by Henri de Fontaine. I think that was okay. Henri. Oh. So I guess we're not getting the French my... audience. Uh... <laughs> I've been to France. <laughs> I've been to France a few times, and every time I go into um, any store, and in my head I'm like, I got this, and I'm like, bonjour, and every time they're like. Ugh. I, what do you want? Like every time, it's just uh, so like in my head, I'm like so perfectly saying bonjour, and in reality, I'm good. I'm like, it's like me walking and being like, hello. That's a good character. Thank you. The guy who speaks <laughs> English but is trying to speak English in another language. <laughs> yeah. In 1909, uh, uh, another movie comes out called The Sealed Room. This is actually in the U.S. and directed by D.W. Griffith. Are we going to do like a D.W. Griffith uh, deep dive one day? There's, there's a lot to talk about. With no. <laughs> the only D.W. I want to talk about is from Arthur. Thank you. That was good. Dora yeah. Winifred. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then, of course, 1920, a movie, a masterpiece comes out that just changes horror. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I've been talking about it a lot. Um, it's it's pure Gothic German expressionist art um think about most modern horror movies think about anything directed by tim burton it all comes directly from cabinet of dr caligari um it directly influences future horror movies such as nosferatu and all the universal classic monsters of the 1930s but it very much set a very specific tone and that tone is only built upon as psychological horror continues to to come into play uh, in 1942, a movie comes out called Cat People, which to me, and I rewatched this this week, it, it, it's very much a blueprint for this slow burn psychological horror we see today. It's very heavy on mystery. Um, have either of you seen Cat People? No. No. I know them. Okay. It, you know some Cat People? It's very mm-hmm. much, so the plot is a fashion illustrator thinks she is a descendant of Cat People. That's the movie. But there's a lot of themes of paranoia and anxiety. That's fun. Uh, a character who questions reality. And that's that, to me, is the reoccurring theme here of all these psychological horror films we're about to go through. Um, themes of suspicion, distrust, self-doubt, paranoia about oneself. Um, all of these themes are in Cat People and very much define future psychological horror movies as, as the years go on. Kind of cool. Um, of course, in the 1950s, we get all the sci-fi and monster movies. If you want to hear a, a list of those, listen to our monster movies episode. Uh, but you get a lot of big old monsters who are metaphor, who are metaphors or responses to societal issues, like uh, a, a giant monster representing uh, class warfare, essentially. Um, the 1% literally stepping on on poor people. Uh, the horror is very external in these. This is It's literally a giant monster is chasing you. Um, many film critics say that psychological horror is a response to these monster movies, replacing fear of monsters with the fear of guilt, paranoia, self-doubt, distrust. You get it. Uh, in 1960, the movie Psycho comes out and that changes everything. If you want to hear more about Psycho, listen to our, um, slasher films episode. Um, but Psycho is not just a slasher film. It also plays with the tone, with, with tone, uh, to instill fear. An example of this is the score. We talked about it briefly last week, but the score does so much work in Psycho. 
to really drive home the fear, right? Okay. It sounds like somebody's stabbing. <laughs> Around the same time, we got French New Wave coming into play in France, which is essentially um, a rejection of traditional filmmaking techniques and conventions, uh, giving filmmakers an actual artistic voice. This is auteur cinema. Um, filmmakers taking new approaches to editing, visual style, and narrative. And we start seeing these French films in America uh, because in 1948, it, uh, the Supreme Court decided that um, studios could not also own the movie theaters. Um, and that's why uh, U.S. audiences were able to see foreign and independent films and not just studio system production code films. Um, an example of a French new wave horror film is 1960s Eyes Without a Face. Uh, directed by Georges Franju. I think I nailed that. Um, mm-hmm. That's that, that. I would say Eyes Without a Face is a bucket list movie if you haven't seen it. It's a it's a really great movie about. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, it, it's really it's really cool and it's a really good. Um, it's really fun to watch that movie and compare it to other movies of the late fifties, early sixties, um, just for its filmmaking techniques. Really cool. Uh, it's I think it's on Criterion Channel. Um, this uh, rise of new wave also led to new Hollywood, uh, which in Hollywood were filmmakers basically rejecting the traditional studio systems um, and really having their own voice. So filmmakers like Peter Bogdanovich, Robert Altman, John Cassavetes, um, and Roman Polanski, famous monster human, good filmmaker in 1965. Uh. His first movie comes out called Repulsion. Uh, Repulsion is a psychological horror film about essentially this woman going insane. But some of the filming techniques are really cool, including this one scene where she's walking down the hallway and all of these arms are coming out and trying to grab her. It's 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 really cool. Um, three years later, Roman Polanski makes another movie called Rosemary's Baby, which uh, both of you have seen Rosemary's Baby, right? I, yeah, I think so. Yeah what a movie that 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 is the first movie i think of when i hear the word psychological horror just throwing that out there uh and it and it could be used as a metaphor it showcases the horrors of being a woman in a patriarchal society and uh, also the horrors of motherhood and it's it's a it's a very fascinating movie if you haven't seen that yet 1973 you get don't look now which caroline's going to talk about quite a bit in a little bit 1980 stanley kubrick gets the shining all of these movies, as I as I start listing them out, just think about the filmmaking behind the scenes of these. Like mm-hmm. these are all very fascinating movies that all have remarkably different filming techniques, different editing mm-hmm. styles, and, and are very auteur based. So you got 1973's "Don't Look Now," an absolute masterpiece. Um, pending what Caroline's about to say about it, 1980 you get The Shining. 1980 there's another movie called Maniac, which is a really cool movie. Uh, fast forward to 1990, you get Jacob's Ladder, which is a fascinating examination of PTSD. Um, also a very famous uh, uh, twist ending. A lot of these movies, that's another trope of psychological horror is the twist ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1990, you also get Misery, uh, Stephen King's uh, mo- uh, story about fanaticism. Um, 1991, you get Silence of the Lambs. Uh Fast forward to 1999, you get the Blair Witch Project, which is a movie I recommend checking out again if you haven't seen it in a while. It It is is. a brilliant movie. It's really cool. Um, Sixth Sense also comes out in 1999. In 2000, you get American Psycho, which I argue is a straight-up comedy, uh, but you could see it as a a psychological horror film as well, uh, focusing on greed, capitalism, patriarchy. Um, 2010, you get Black Swan, one of the few films... Uh, so horror films nominated for best picture so good um and that this is the 2010s i think are where psychological horror comes goes from uh uh essentially well-directed horror films to an actual its own art form right. but listen to the listen to the movies i'm about to go over from the 2010s and beyond so 2010 you get black swan 2014 you get it follows the babadook uh 2015 you get the vavitch the Invitation, 2017, you get Mother, you get Get Out, 
2018, you get Hereditary. 2019, The Lighthouse, Midsommar. 2019, Us. 2020, The Invisible Man. Uh, 2021, We're All Going to the World's Fair. Uh, 2022, Pearl and Speak No Evil and Nope. 2023, Infinity Pool and Bo is Afraid. We are in a golden age of psychological horror right now. Ethan, how many of those have you seen? Uh, most of them. And and it's like the thing that's getting people to the movie theaters. Like these movies are making money. Yeah, especially the Jordan Peele ones. What were you going to say, Caroline? I was going to say, one might say we're all amidst a psychological horror right now. Yeah, and I think that that, I mean, horror is a reflection of the society we're in. So, yes, every movie's about grief and uh, depression and anxiety and not knowing the future. And, oh, my God, our country's going to fall apart. And I won't get too much into that because our audience is largely 60 years older or older. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's we love definitely you. a theme. I, I, I copy and pasted something from an article I read about psychological horror. This subgenre reveals the complexity of human nature through the use of metaphor. Uh, Struggles with external demons or monsters are metaphors for the emotional and physical, uh, uh, psychological struggles. Characters are battling their own inner demons. Resolutions are complex, complicated, and unexpected. The villain may get away. The protagonist may have to learn how to live with a monster or disappear completely into madness. These films are often light on gore and I couldn't sleep for a week scares. They rely more on atmosphere, subtle, creepy details, suggestion, and ambiguity. Yeah. I really uh -huh. like that definition. Uh. And that's psychological horror. Well. And now I don't have to do research anymore. I'm done. You did great, Eli. You really yeah, did. Yeah, it was great. I mean, like, it learned like, a lot. In all sincerity, this, this was really fascinating, and it shows your love of this genre. I, I do love this genre. Should we share our lists? Yeah! We're going to go over our top five psychological horror films. Uh, important note, because Caroline watched the movie Don't Look Now this week, neither Ethan or I could put it on our list. It would have been my number two. Um, well, my number five is Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, the guy of the moment, Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, oh, just, I thought you were saying Barry Keegan. Just, yeah, the creepiest little fucker. This movie just stars Barry Keegan as creepy little fucker one. From Cincinnati. Did you know this movie takes place in Cincinnati, even though everyone sounds Irish? Uh, this movie is utterly dreadful, and it, it is Yorgos's style in this kind of genre. I just, you gotta go see it. All of his movies are so, they make you feel um, kind of terrible inside. I mean, Caroline, you saw The Lobster this week. How did, what did you think of that? I loved it. Um, I'll say yeah. I, I loved it. It might be, I'm trying to just, I haven't seen Killing of a Sacred Deer, but um, I definitely loved it way more than Poor Things, way, like, so much more. Um, I think, I also was trying to decide what animal I would be. Have you all thought about this? I think I'd be yeah. a capybara. Oh, nice. I thought an owl. Yeah. I'd be the dune popcorn bucket named Michelle. <laughs> so I guess this bit's not getting cut this week. I guess the bit's staying. <laughs> <laughs> your number five Eli my, yeah. <laughs> uh, my number five is Midsommar I have the screenplay next to my desk uh, it's a horror movie that's shot in the lightest brightest sun you'll ever see it is a colorful light bright horror movie and one of the best depictions of grief I have ever seen on cinema and a movie everyone should see. And don't just see the movie. See the director's cut. See the four-hour-long director's cut. It is such a good movie. Obsessed. Midsommar. Caroline saying, absolutely not. <laughs> I love Florence, but um, I will not be seen. And for those reasons, I'm out. This <laughs> I'm out. This is, uh, to me, the number one uh, Florence Pugh performance. Mm. Wow. 
And there's there's a lot of good ones out there. Like the television show Hawkeye. Yeah, very much the television and show Hawkeye. And Dune 2. And uh, Fighting With My Family, where she plays the WWE wrestler Paige. That's a real movie. All right, go ahead. What's your number four, Ethan? My number four is a movie called Creep, starring Mark Duplass. Uh, this movie is creepy, and he is very creepy in it, and it is a really fun, probably almost more of a subversion of the slasher genre, but I I felt like this, for some reason, again, these, these categories sort of bleed within each other, but uh, the psychological element to really watch this guy and one particular uh, potential friend, victim, no spoilers, was really fun. Uh, this is a really great movie if you haven't seen it. And I liked it better than the second one, but the second one's worth watching too. The smile he adopts for that character in Creep is... I think about it a lot. Should we do a Mark Duplass deep dive one day? Like yeah. Mark June, Mark June Plots. <laughs> uh, I mean, I basically, love... I just want to get you to. I basically just want to get you two to watch Biosphere. I because I've talked about it so mm, much. Oh, that's is that the one? Maybe the, for your the, birthday. The penis for your birthday. Yeah, maybe for your birthday. And then we can watch a few episodes of Mindy Project. Yeah, he's great. Aw, he's a great OBGYN. And the League. Yeah. Oh, the League. The League was great. My number four is Get Out. Do I kind really of. need to say more about Get Out? It's an incredible movie. Jordan Peele is a master of horror. And justice uh, for Allison Williams. You know, the, the original ending was different, the, the which is so great. It's so funny um, how Lil Rel is there. Originally, it was just going to be a cop who arrests him. Yeah, and the audience, the test audience hated it so much, so then they put this other one in, and the audience just ate it up Jordan Peele there's an interview where he talks about like the first time they screened that and the audience just they needed to have a good time to go home yeah uh, my number three is Midsommar and movies just rock and roll daytime horror rock and roll Caroline how do you feel about Ari Aster um I don't think I'm ever gonna see any of his movies <laughs> that's cool yeah that's cool my number three is Hereditary <laughs> Uh, Hereditary changed me as a human being. I am no longer the same person I am today uh, after I've watched Hereditary since before I watched Hereditary. It's it's a movie that, it fucked me up. It fucked me up. It still fucks me up. I can, can't say the name Hereditary without having very graphic images pop into my head that fucks me up. Yep. Done. Great. Thanks, Ethan. My number two is Misery. Uh, which I know, Eli, you mentioned on your list, Misery is Kathy Bates's best performance. She's so scary in this movie. James Caan is really good. Just check it out. It's it's a it it survives. It's still very thrilling. Good good horror movie. Did it invent torture porn? Did it invent torture porn? Like torture porn horror. Like, was is there a line from Misery to Saw? Yeah, there is. There are other examples, especially in early Jalo films of of torture, um, that get a little bit more graphic. Um, but it is definitely an early representation of it in 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 what what got us to the hostels of the world. But there are some Jalo films that I can send you that will fuck you up too. Cool. Um, my number two is Rosemary's Baby. Uh, we've talked about it enough throughout this entire month. I think it's one of the. It might be on my Mount Rushmore of horror films. Maybe that's a tough one. Uh, but it's it's a great movie and and it it to me defines like I said it defines this genre for me uh, that's a great movie uh, mm-hmm. number one for me is The Wicker Man the Nicolas Cage one of course mm-hmm. no um, if I ever go to Scotland and hear one person start to sing I 
will be terrified. This is actually probably another good daytime horror movie. A lot of stuff takes place in the daylight, and it is not scary in the way that, like, Midsommar is, or Misery, or Hereditary, but it is a, as Eli talked about, like, it's a tone, it's a psychological Mm -hmm. tone before its big crescendo finale, which is... um ridiculous and terrifying all at once what's funny is i have a fun fact about that movie from don't look now it was shown as part of a double bill with uh with don't look now in the uk release in 73 what a double bill mm-hmm. what a double bill when i saw midsomar at the alamo draft house they showed um uh clips and trailers from uh the original uh 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 wicker man and I thought that was a really cool. It's like it's it's the perfect thing to show before that movie. Yeah, those movies are in conversation with each other for sure. Hey, Ethan, what's my number one? I think that your number one. Well, why don't you lift up your shirt to show us your new back tattoo? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is Morbius. No, read it again. It says red rum on the back on my. It's a shining. Back yeah, my number one is The Shining. <laughs> uh, Ethan's number one uh, last week. It, it it it's The Shining. I it defines auteur horror, and to me, that is that's where you go with psychological horror. Plus, it is a study of a man going insane. It is a study of uh how to show a man going insane without looking at the audience and saying this man is going insane it's also there's no voiceover there's no there's no direct cuts to him mumbling to himself i'm going insane it shows it it shows it every step of the way and yes you see on the typewriter all work no play makes jack a dull boy (laughs) um makes homer something something but the way it is filmed the way he acts the way his hair changes it's a perfect movie. Yeah, it, that's that's on the route, Mount Rushmore of horror for all of these. That's lists. on the mount. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's The Shining. Didn't Stephen King not like it? Yeah, he did not like it. I've never read the book. He did not like it. They did a mini series of it that was more ushered by Stephen King. Apparently, it's bad. Kubrick's Kubrick. Is that why you hit him with your car? Because he didn't like his take on The Shining. That's why I hit Stephen King with my car? <laughs> you don't know that Stephen King was famously hit by a car in Maine? Why do you know so much about this is the real question. I know. Eli, it's, where were you in where Maine? Where were you 20 years 20 ago years with your My car. references are not that hip. I only say broad references that 60-year-old audience members will get. You know why, Ethan? <laughs> you told me your dad was mad at you. For not knowing the, the uh, Hayes Code about the Hayes Code, so I I'm gonna challenge that your dad's gonna be mad at you because he didn't know Stephen King got hit by a car. Your dad laughed at my joke. I'm throwing that out there. Well, as one of our 60 plus uh, age listener demographics, uh, we'll see. We love boomers on this podcast, famously. We're, we love boomers. We love them. <laughs> Caroline. Yeah. Tell me about the movie Don't Look Now. Okay. Should I give a synopsis? Is that... Do I need yeah. to... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, hear Let's hear a synopsis of a very hard-to-define movie. Okay. Uh, this movie came out in 1973, directed by Nicholas Rogue. Um, and had I known what else this man directed, I would never have agreed to watch this film because this man directed The Witches, a movie that has famously haunted me since childhood. Have either of you seen The Witches? Starring Angel Houston? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. And I've seen the sequel or the, the remake. Oh, the Anne Hathaway? But yes. The Angelica Houston one Is... gave me nightmares, still gives uh, me nightmares. Yeah. And, and if I had known he had directed that like that, I would not have agreed to watch this movie because this movie, it took me two days to watch in broad daylight. Um, I had to stop every 10 minutes. Uh, but basically, okay, it's about these this couple... Um, Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, uh, they lose their child and then they go to Venice 
and they meet this these creepy sisters. I don't know why why that's a trope in film that because two older sisters who are single and they're taking care of each other, they have to be creepy, but whatever. Um, and a lot of other supernatural things happen along the way. Um, okay, so my thoughts about this film. Um, I did, okay, I realized that Mandela affected myself because I thought the Dua Lipa song was called Don't Look Now, but it's Don't Start Now because I had a thought. I was like, was this movie inspiring the Dua Lipa song? <laughs> and it didn't. It's a great song. We love uh, Dua Lipa on this podcast. It did. <laughs> um, okay, a lot. I have multiple notes about. Um, I've never thought about having to go to the boats at the hospital, uh, or like go to the hospital by boat, or like have a funeral on a boat. Very chic. Very chic in Venice. Um, okay, there's two kind of like big things we'll get to about this movie in a second. Um, but I was wondering, do we think House of Gucci was happening at the same time, and do we think this movie's in the same universe as House of Gucci? Was was Jared Leto like a a younger version of that character? Just that's what I was wondering because I couldn't think Maybe. of what your House of Gucci was. I think it. Um, yeah, I think it all is related. It's all related. Um, okay, and then what do we think was the scariest moment in Venice's history? This movie, climate change causing the water water level to keep rising, or the Don't Worry Darling twenty two press? Uh, you know, I will. I <laughs> spit. He spit. He spit. He's so spit. He hundred percent spit. He's so spit. Last year, Caroline and some friends, and I'm very sad I couldn't be there to do it, dressed up as people from the Don't Worry Darling press tour for their Halloween costumes, and it is a really funny thing you did. I'm just giving out funny Thank compliments, you. but you deserve that Thank one. You. That Thank was really you. funny. Originally, yeah. I wanted to be the spit, but no one that would have you would have to explain a lot. So it's Harry Styles instead. <laughs> That is so funny. I didn't know that. Hey, Caroline, that's very funny. Hey, thank you. Thank you for letting a woman be funny. It's really nice. Um, okay, but overall, um, okay, before I get into like other stuff about the movie, it's very unsettling, uh, this entire movie. Um, there's a lot of cutaways, but the two uh big there okay the biggest thing there's this sex scene that never ends in this movie like i felt i it was starting i was like wow they're like really having sex and it keeps going on it felt like it was a third of the movie um and so i then discover okay so i did a lot of research on this um also okay originally what i think is also because there's a lot of drowning things in this movie originally robert wagner and natalie wood were maybe attached to play those parts and i think that's very wild because natalie wood drowned and christopher walken was on that boat do we think robert wagner did it allegedly <laughs> wow yeah yeah he did it um if you don't know about that that's we can get into that another I time. Think he, yeah, I think he did it. I think he the did answer too. is yes. They've been reopened. They were talking about reopening it. But um, I think that would have been very interesting if the two of them had been in the movie. Um, but apparently this was the first scene in the movie that they uh, filmed. Day and, one sex scene? Um, there was a lot of controversy. This, so this, there's a lot of like thing about this sex. Because Ethan, you haven't seen this, right? No. Okay. This sex scene, um, they... They had to, there was a lot of debating about the rating for this movie because of this sex scene, and they had to cut out nine frames so it could be shown in theaters. And there's a lot of debate over the years whether they thought the sex, like they actually had sex or not, um, because it's so graphic. And he had to cut away uh, at like different points so it, they could show it on screen. It's also one of the first times that they showed like female oral sex on screen as well. Um, and there was a wild, story that i read because of this uh okay so basically um uh so it was the first scene they shot they came down at 7 a.m in dressing gowns uh waiting downstairs while the room was prepared and both had a glass of champagne to calm their nerves and that it was just nicholas rogue and the cinematographer anthony b richmond each operating their own mitchell 35 millimeter camera they disrobed got into the bed and then they began filming um so he kept shouting directions off screen over the noise of the cameras to the actors such as lick her nipples, put your hand between her legs, get on top. And the shoot lasted until well into the afternoon before Rogue was satisfied and wrapped. Wow. 
it's it's like shocking i like i had no idea like this sex scene kind of took over my entire experience of the movie because i was like i just couldn't believe i didn't realize the whole there's like so much lore about it and warren Beatty was apparently dating julie christie and went to a party he was at and because there was a rumor that Nicholas Rogue had some kind of porn reel that he kept from this. Uh, and Warren Beatty uh, punched him in the face at this party because of that. And it was later proven untrue. I've had a, a really similar um, experience with me and my uh, Dune 2 popcorn bucket. Um, Warren Beatty punched. <laughs> punched. And what's the name of your Dune 2 popcorn bucket? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> You know, we'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, now I but, gotta go watch. Yeah. Cameron, just like, do you believe in sex scenes in movies? Like, yay or nay? I think. Well, okay. After watching this one, it's just really hard to know, like, ethically where the lines blur. Like, when you film something like this, because like, Ethan, when you watch this, because like, Eli, I'm not sure what you like tells about this Eli but it was just like it was very like it felt like you're in it like it feels like I'm watching two people actually having sex I thought it was real until you told me it was not it was not unsimulated yeah there's a lot of like it was simulated yeah there was like a lot of back and forth about it but they only just like said in the last few years that it wasn't that it was simulated I don't I don't know yeah I don't know it's on. It doesn't seem simulated. It's but. on Paramount Plus. Yeah, streaming. It's quite a movie. It's uh, something. We'll get more into this in our month-long discussion of sex scenes in movie. Sex Tember. We have a couple months. And we're actually like pro abstinence, so it's gonna be very chaste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's it was a good movie. I just it was I I did honestly didn't expect to be as scared as I was from it, and it is. There's just so many different aspects of it. And um, it's funny. I was like, is Venice this scary? And then I read another thing that apparently Venice um, was nervous about this movie being released because they didn't think people would come visit because it's so scary. Did you find it scary? I found it very scary. I, I like I was I was debating finishing it. And I was like, I don't think I can. I watched it by myself. So I was watching it in like 10 minute chunks because I just kept having to stop. I was like very unsettled by all of it. How did you like the ending? Um... I feel like I knew it was coming. Um, okay, it, it is a popular clip for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, wild. Uh, and I had also read too, there's like the fall Donald Sutherland has mid-movie, and apparently there's a lot of issues with that as well. And if he had done it any differently, he would have died because it wasn't rigged properly. And the stuntmen refer- refused to do the stunt because they didn't have insurance for it. So they made Donald Sutherland do it anyways. Well, that's it, Caroline. Thank you. Um, and thank you for watching Scary Movies. You're done. You're off the hook. You did it, Caroline. Yeah. I am barely. And now it's that time of the show. And now it's that time of the show where we make Ethan watch a movie there's no way he'd ever want to see. Ethan's reluctant review this year, this week, Ethan was asked to watch the movie Madam Web, and he didn't do it. I made it 10 episodes. It's pretty good that I did it <laughs> 10 episodes in a row. So Ethan messaged us, what is, our, what is his punishment? What does his punishment need to be? Okay. And Caroline, I thought of a punishment for Ethan. You thought of punishment because I also have one too. You can both give me oh, a punishment. Okay. Okay, okay you, Caroline, you go first. Okay, um, because I didn't want to talk about it yet until everyone watches it. I think Ethan has to watch This Is Me Now. Is that the J Lo the disaster? J-Lo movie? It's not a disaster. It's a cinematic moment. Uh, okay, great. I will. It's sixty-six minutes long. Eli, uh, so for next week you're gonna watch that movie. You're also gonna watch Madam Web. And you're also going to watch Argyle. Thank you, Ethan, <laughs> Thanks, for Ethan. your service for the podcast. He's shaking his head. No, he's not going to do that. We're just going to keep adding titles. Um, so Adam Webb and Argyle. <laughs> and that wraps up our horror um, month. And next month is March. And we're going to do a March Madness. So next month, we mm-hmm. are starting our month-long March Madness the March Sisters Madness. <laughs> That's right. The cast from the two popular little women are going to go head to head. 94 and 2019, baby. So it's going to be the movies of Florence Pugh versus the movies of Emma Watson versus Saoirse Ronan versus Eliza Scanlon versus Kirsten Dunst versus Claire Danes versus Winona Ryder 
Ryder versus Trini Alvarado. It's going to be quite a month of movies. I made it through horror just to get to this. <laughs> Eli, you should work on your Dick Vitale impression. Do you know who that is? Did I just go over our heads? He's the guy who hit Stephen Unbelievable. King with, uh, I'm car, quitting right? this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, also, next week, we're going to give our final Oscar predictions. Fun. So get ready for that. Can't that wait. means we have to lock him in. That means we cannot change our minds between recording the podcast and the actual Oscars coming. So do your research, gang. Wow, it feels like the Golden Globes were 100 years ago. <laughs> That's our show. Uh, do you like it? Do you not like it? Hit that subscribe button. Email us at I need to see that pod at gmail.com. Visit us at I need to see that com. Wait, did we, did we ever intro the podcast? Did we ever intro? I'm By the Ethan. way, this is I need to see I'm that. Caroline. <laughs> I mean, that thought. By the way, this is I Need to See That, a podcast about movies. I'm Eli. I'm Caroline. I'm Ethan. This was recorded at the end. If he tries to edit it early, you have to keep it at the end. (laughs) AI Ethan's about to make an appearance. Uh, Today we're talking psychological horror, moody, atmospheric, and as always... No, I don't. Ethan hit Stephen King? No, I did not. (laughs) And as always, oh, he's gone. Dude, he's gone so we can say anything. Wow, Um, it's recorded. I need some more takes. But the Ethan sitting lonely on the placid bust spoke only. That one word as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing farther then he uttered, not a feather then he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before. On the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the Ethan said, Nevermore, nevermore, nevermore?